You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat okay. the eat all the leftover the leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the barrel oh, up so to fun. up the hill. And then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corin Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Professional dancer Cheryl Burke has been part of Dancing with the Stars since the very beginning. 26 seasons of the Samba, the Rumba, and the Cha-Cha. 24 partners, 6 finals, and 2 Mirabal trophies. She knows all the secrets, the behind-the-scenes arguments, and the affairs, the flings, the flirting, and the fighting. Listen to Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Chelsea Handler, and if you listen to my podcast, Dear Chelsea, you know that I love making space for women to share their stories, and that is why I'm excited to be part of Women Take the Mic, iHeartRadio's celebration of women who make music, influence change, and create culture. All month long, your favorite voices from talk radio, music, and podcasting will highlight the remarkable achievements made by women and discuss the most significant issues facing us today. Search Women Take the Mic to listen to a collection of International Women's Day episodes from iHeart's top podcasts, including Angela Yee's Lip Service, The Psychology of Your 20s, and Dear Chelsea. It is a great way to support women and discover your new favorite show. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Women's Day for more and listen to Women Take the Mic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Intimate Knowledge with Megan King. Shh. It's a show about sex. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Intimate Knowledge. I'm your host, Megan King. You can find me on Instagram at Megan King, or go to one of my retreats. Check it out at GaiaHavenExperience.com. So we always start with the headlines, so that's where we shall begin. And, you know, I I like to start with headlines about me, um, 
there's, I don't know why there's so many. There's always so dang, dang many and they never really bother me. I mean, sometimes I might be upset that something has been published or I don't like the way that it's being um, talked about, or I don't like the comments that are being made, but like, whatever, it's all part of the game. Right. But this last time I, it really bothered me. So here's the deal. I was, I went to a party with um, Sutton Strack. So she's a cast member on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I go to her party, the, they're filming, and it was crazy. They had like a full red carpet and press and everything. I We never had that when I was on the Real Housewives of Orange County. I mean, like, I kind of remember there being, there was a red carpet. I think Lydia had an event one time for her magazine and there might've been press there, but nothing like this. So that was really interesting to see. And I even asked the crew about it. What's going on? And they're like, oh, Beverly Hills is very different from Orange County. All right. I see that. So I'm, I'm giving a, an interview. There's two reporter, two or three reporters there. I gave interviews to very long ones too. And um, I, I give this one to entertainment tonight and I was surprised by one of his questions, which was you made a new year's resolution to, um, explore your sexuality. And you talked about on intimate knowledge, how you went on a date with a woman. Well, this was back in January. And so, I explain myself as I've explained myself on this podcast many times before. Um, I And I can't believe this is getting as much traction as it is. Like people are very interested, I think, in homosexuality or when someone, you know, just switches teams or something. And that's not what happened here or it's not. And it's not what is happening. And that's what bothers me because I am a person who likes truth and justice and just being authentic. Right. And I am living authentically, I think. I mean, I try my best. Well, so. I went on a date with a woman back in January, talked about it on the podcast back. No, I went on the date with a woman back in December. I talked about it on the podcast in January. And the, and then this reporter at this party asked me about, you know, my dating women. And I was like, oh, well, yes, I did go on a date with a woman in New York. It was wonderful. We had a great weekend. And if you want to know more, you'll listen to the podcast. Well, then you guys listen to this. They published an article in print that basically said, that, you know, it gave the quote that I said, listen to the podcast. And then it seamlessly goes into the podcast saying, you know, using quotes that I said on the podcast, talking about how I went on this date with a woman and how, you know, what, what it was like and all, all of the details that you get from listening to this show, like you're listening to. You already know you're listening. And I was upset by the article because it was some clickbaity headline about my sexuality, basically insinuating that I'm dating women, which isn't true. I went on a date with one woman one time and I was really bothered by that. I reached out to entertainment tonight. I asked them to fix the article, but it was too late. It already gotten picked up by all of the tabloids. And so now this information is being proliferated. That's just actually not true. And so in me, it like for me, it feels like you know, this, this per media persona that the media has created of me is gay baiting. Basically, that that means like taking advantage of my using my sexuality to take advantage of like fans or follows or something like that. And I'm not I'm not trying to be gay just to like be an extremist or to cause attention. I'm not gay. I'm not bi. Like I maybe I'm bi. Like I don't know what it's called, but I went on one date with one woman. I don't know how that's classified, but I don't identify as bi. And I've been very clear and upfront about that. I identify as a as a straight woman. And so I was upset, really upset by this. And these clickbaity articles were taking my sexuality out of context by one question that was asked on the red carpet at the end of March. I mean, it's almost like, 
it's almost like um reverse um what's it called I'm gonna, you know what I, i'm gonna look up this the text that i sent to the reporter um because it really irked me but it's almost like sex shaming it's it's like sex shaming but like it, under the guise of well she said it kind of thing well yeah i said it but i said it in january so why are we trying to make this relevant again? It's a clickbait article and like it it just really bothers me. I said to the to the reporter, this article is old news from January and it's BS that it's being promoted as something new. I was shocked when you asked me that question last night and the article brings up quotes I made back in January as if I freshly said them. It's garbage and not reporting. He apologized, he updated and there was one quote, it says, King continued. I go, I didn't continue. This needs to be clarified. I only give you one quote. And the rest, it wasn't continued. It was from an old podcast. So he apologized, blah, blah, blah. And then I reached out to page six. And I told her the same thing. But like I said, it was already too late. And it had already been picked up by everybody. I said, I, all the quotes are pulled from an episode I did in January that already got press coverage. I've literally publicly said I'm not interested in dating women whatsoever. This feels like clickbait sex shaming. It's interesting that I feel sex shamed for like something that I was very proud of doing. And I was very proud to share my experience. It was enlightening. It was moving. I learned a lot about myself. And I felt like it was very brave of me to do at the same time and then talk about it. And I hope that I inspired other people to explore parts of them that they might not even necessarily know are there or not there. The same as I did. I didn't know if like I was interested in women or not, but I gave it a go. And I, it turns out I'm not. And I hope that inspires people. But then to like turn it into this clickbait thing, it just feels icky to me. So I don't like any of that. And that is, this is really the only time, one of the only times where I felt attacked for my sexuality, which isn't my sexuality, which is why it bothers me because it's inauthentic. There is um, a lot of other, there's a lot of other fun things in the press right now too. So this is interesting because Cardi B says it's not a flex to have sex multiple times a day. So Cardi B is like, yeah, you know, I like to have sex with Offset, her husband. She, I think she has a couple kids with him now. And I freaking love Cardi B, by the way. I think she's so authentic. I love that she's just lives her life. And she's she reminds me of a little Disney princess, like a little rapper Disney princess. I freaking love her. And um, which is like we haven't had yet. There's no rapper Disney princesses. So Cardi B, it is. She's the number one in my Disney princess book. And so she's like, listen, if you want to have sex with your multiple with your partner multiple times a day, every single day, she goes, you're practically telling the world that your man is on drugs because there's no way that that's happening. And I thought about this and I'm like, okay, well, she goes, if you want, if your man want to have sex with you four or five times a day and we do that every day, girl, your man is on perks. Are your man trying to convince himself that he likes pussy? That's what she said. That is not a flex. Go stitch your pussy up. Your man is sick. All right. Perks, first of all, I was like, is that Percocet? And so I Googled it and I think it is Percocet, but I don't know if she means like uppers perks or like perks as in Percocet. Not really sure where to go with that one. As far as the multiple times a day, I don't know. If my friend told me that they were doing this this much, would I be happy or concerned? I would be thinking they're a liar is what I would be thinking. And if my boyfriend wanted it much uh, that this much, I would for sure be concerned. Because I would think be thinking, well, first of all, I don't live with you. So how are you going to get it that much every single day? Like you got to get it somewhere, right? 
or you're going to get calluses on your penis. Otherwise, if you don't go get it somewhere, you might still get calluses on your penis. Actually, maybe that's why they want it so bad because maybe their penis is calloused and they, they aren't really getting that sensation. So they got to like keep trying to get it. It's like a fix, like a, that's like maybe a real sex addiction there, which I kind of believe is bullshit, but I don't know. So yeah, how much is too much? I don't know. That's that's an interesting question. Maybe it's like there's no such thing as too much. Like there's you can't be too rich. You can't be too healthy. You can you know, there's things that you just can't be too much of. Maybe sex is one of them. Moving on. So Andy Cohen says the Vanderpump Rules reunion was a real reckoning. Well, I surely can imagine Andy Cohen because this happened at the most opportune time to produce some revenue within the Vanderpump franchise which i think is doing pretty well as it is so bravo so andy did by the way andy's from st louis what's up shout out andy did one-on-one interviews with ariana tom sandoval and raquel and basically he said that he was andy was like getting to the bottom of everything you know he asked his own stuff then he went in front of the group and he kind of re-asked the questions in front of the group and got everybody's take on it So Andy says, it was a real reckoning. If you're looking to hear their story, you will. If you're looking for them to be confronted to their face about what they've done, what I will say, an impressive manner, confrontational manner, you will get it. So after they filmed the reunion, Raquel and Tom Sandoval were spotted chit-chatting outside, which is whatever. And then recently they were spotted going to the airport together and you know, I think people are pushing back on this because people don't want, you know, people are always going to be in, I think, um, Ariana's court because she didn't do anything. And she's the one that's been the most hurt by this situation. I know what it's like to go through a public cheating scandal. It's no point. No. Although I don't think that Tom or, um, Raquel probably wanted this to happen this way, but it doesn't matter. They made their bed. They have to lay into it. It lay lay into it, lay in it, or they lay into it. Maybe that's what Ariana will do. And Ariana with this outfit, holy moly, she is on fire. She looks freaking red hot. But I, I wonder if she planned this outfit before or after the whole scandal broke out. I don't know. Anyways, going back to Raquel and Tom being together. So this is my take on it. I think that the, the best thing, and I've said this that they can do is stay an item. I think that is the only thing that is really going to um, make them look legitimate. I think that if they break up, then it's going to look like they that Tom and Raquel threw away their relationships with everyone for this fling. But if they stay together, then I think that could look serious. And then down the road, people could be like, okay, the way you went about it was really shitty, but you're clearly very in love. And like, this was going to happen anyway. It's just too bad that it happened the way it did. But like, okay, we see it now. I think that's the absolute best thing that they can do. So I think it's probably in their best public relations interest to be seen together, not canoodling, not like fancy or laughing or anything like that, but just be seen together. And that is it. So Ariana, the scorned woman, was she did a successful collaboration with a sex toy company and she had a massive turnout tens of thousands of signups in 24 hours as an influencer i'm like girl you better get that like freaking capitalize on this right now because you may as well because the pain sucks and it's gonna hurt so take that all the way to the bank right cry all the way to the bank tom sandoval and ariana and raquel i mean that you know they're benefiting from this too like 
I think that it wasn't meant to be this way, but my God, everyone's benefiting from this. Everyone on Vanderpump Rules. I mean, look at us. We're talking about it. It's too bad they're real people because if this was just a scripted show, this would be an excellent storyline and people would love it. We have some guests in the waiting room. Today, we have Vanessa and Xander Marin. They have a podcast called Pillow Talks that I love listening to where they detail their personal sex life. Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist with over 20 years experience in the sex therapy field. And Xander's a regular guy, but they happen to be a couple and they're very relatable. They're funny. They laugh a lot. It feels like you're just talking to a couple friends. I love their podcast, but they have this great new book called Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your life. Now, this, you guys, is what I want to get into. So let's bring them in. Vanessa and Xander Marin. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough to know their HIV status to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project. And it stands for Interrupting Violence in Youth and Young Adults. 
house to those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence and the numbers rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away is like almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Megan. Oh, hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's so much fun to see your faces. I've been listening to your podcast and I see your pictures and stuff, but like, it's fun to <laughs> see your, I was literally just listening to your most recent episode. So it's great. To, oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. It was fun with the grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> Good old grapefruit making a mess everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell me about your, yourselves. You have your podcast pillow talks that I love and you talk about your sex life with between the two of you and you're married. And mm-hmm. Vanessa, you're a licensed psychotherapist with over 20 years in the field of sex therapy. Yes. <laughs> that's a lot of years. You don't even, you look like you're 20 years old. So I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> but, I started young. I knew I was interested in this field. I got very, very curious. <laughs> I was so interested I started. in that field too, very young. Um, <laughs> hey, we're both on sex podcasts. Look at that. Yeah. And Xander, you're a regular guy. I am. I am. I'm a regular guy who never thought. Official title. Yeah, it's my official title. I never thought I'd have anything to do with this, you know, especially when I met Vanessa. We were quite young when we met. I was 22 years old. And I was like, that's cool that she wants to do this. I I don't really know where I'm going to end up, but it's definitely not going to be this. And yet... Here I am. Um, it's it's been it's been quite the journey for me. I had to overcome a lot of imposter syndrome, thinking you know no one wanted to hear from me since I don't have all the experience yeah. and the training that Vanessa has. But no, now I get to just show up as a regular guy who's just half of a, a marriage, half of a partnership. Yeah. And share what and works that- for us, what doesn't work for us, and all that fun stuff. I think the best way to make something happen is to say you're never going to do it. So Xander, you really wrote your future right there with that. With <laughs> yeah, that I know. Quote. I, yeah, I, I screwed myself there. <laughs> I don't know what screw yourself, but you definitely manifested something by trying not to put it on the universe. And then you guys have a book that's a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. So the book is called Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your life. And I love this. And um also, congratulations on being a New York Times bestseller. What an accomplishment. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've been wanting to write a book for a long time, and this felt like the perfect topic that we wanted to write about. We know that people feel so uncomfortable talking about sex, and they very rarely do in their relationships, and yet it's one of the most central, important parts of intimacy. So it was very important to us to write this book and really guide people through these five conversations, because everybody's heard the advice, talk about sex. You hear that all the time, but nobody ever tells you, 
okay, but how do I have these conversations? What do I say? When do I say it? What if I don't know what I want to tell my partner? So we really laid it out for you in a very step-by-step way. And we're just thrilled by the response that it's gotten so far. People telling us it's changed their lives. They're recommending it to all their friends. I can't believe, I mean, like I, I haven't read it yet. But um, I've listened to you guys talk a lot about it on the podcast, but I like how you you, you give us a, enough information to be able to work with, you know, give us tools to, on, on the podcast to be able to work with. But then this book is it has to be so much more, you know, powerful than that, even because you're just selling it like crazy, like hotcakes. (laughs) Yeah, we really like to be super practical and nitty gritty Mm -hmm. about sex. I mean, it's the same with technique. You know, we hear all this very vague, generic advice, and we're all already feeling self-conscious about like, I want to be good at sex, and I want to be confident in the bedroom. So when we get this generic advice, it actually just makes us feel worse about ourselves. Like, I don't know how to do that. So in every area of our business, you know, our, our whole business is focused on helping couples keep the spark alive in long-term relationships. So in our podcast, in our guides that we sell online, we're all about, okay, let's tell you really how to do it. The actual details, step-by-step techniques, get really practical with it. So the practical day-to-day advice, you know, that's so interesting because I just had a guest on and her whole thing about sex was without, we're basically taught that sex is natural, but it's, it's not, it's not like Mm -hmm. a natural thing that we're just born with. Right. Like we're, no, I mean, yeah. Who comes out of the womb knowing how to have, how to do it because our parents tell us, you know, in sex ed or whatever, we have to talk about the birds and the bees and like, and a baby, you know, the penis goes in the vagina and then a baby is made. And we're like, what, how does it, I remember thinking when I had this sex talk with my mother, this kind of like off topic, no, maybe not that she was like, well, the penis goes into the vagina. And I was like, oh my God. God, like, how would that happen? Because yeah. I didn't even know that the, an erection was a thing at that time. And so yep. I'm like, how does it get in there? Like, do they have to do acrobatics to like get that? And I was like, really concerned. Like, how does this work? I was like trying to play with my dolls to figure it out. So yeah, I had that exact question at that age too. Yeah. I was like, how does it go in? What happens? Oh yeah. I, I had <laughs> almost the exact same question too. I remember in, I think like fourth or fifth grade, you know, the sort of sex ed class where they show you some video. And so they describe yeah. that it's like, oh, the guy gets, gets an erection and then puts it in. So I got that part. But what I didn't understand was like, so what, if you want to have a baby, like, are you just waiting around, like waiting for this magical <laughs> erection to happen? You're like, it's here. Let's go. It's finally time. And then one time is all it takes, right? And then like, what do you do? Soak? Like, how does it what happens after that? Soaking. Learn that from some from my Mormon nanny. So I was just talking about this article that Cardi B did. And she was saying that if an individual is having sex multiple times a day, every single day with their partner, she was like, that's not a flex. That's a freaking issue. So I want to know, what do you guys think about that? Is that the case? Because I've like, this is now has my wheels turning. I texted my brother. I called my best friend. I'm like, is it crazy? Like, what is it? So is that is that unusual? Is that weird? I mean, it's rare that people will have sex that often. Consistently. Yeah, consistently. Consistently, (laughs) Not just like in the beginning. Yeah, maybe, you know, like it's not like a weekend romp. It's like four times a day every day. That's yeah. weird, right? <laughs> well, it's rare. I mean, we What's operate from the perspective that as long as people are consenting, they know what they're going into, like whatever people want to do, do whatever you want to do. There is no right and wrong. 
But I think a lot of us get really tripped up about this idea of how much sex should we be having? It's one of the most common questions that we get asked. And of course, you're hung up on that because, you know, in media, on TV and whatever, there's all of these references to like doing it multiple times a day, like going all night. So oh, yeah, of, course, all night. of course, you have this idea <laughs> that more is better and longer is better. But yeah, we got we got to question that. Yeah, no, we we firmly believe that there is no magic number that everybody should be be having sex. And if you're trying to have sex to hit a quota, that is going to be really bad sex and you are going to lose your desire for it. So Maybe instead, it's so like much better partner. just focus. Yeah, like focus on the quality of the sex that you're having and you'll find that the frequency naturally falls into place. But we did do a really big study on sexual frequency because we know people are so curious about this. So mm-hmm. at this point, about 70,000 people have filled out this survey that we posted online. And we found that 75% of people fell into these three buckets and very very evenly spread throughout the three buckets. So the vast majority of people are having sex two to three times a month, once a week, and two to three times a week. So that's the average for people is between two to three times a month to two to three times a week. And in those three buckets, we didn't notice any differences in level of satisfaction. Like we asked people, how happy are you with the sex that you're having? So it wasn't that the people Hmm. doing it two to three times a week were way happier than the people having it two to three times a month. Now I would like to know how their partner answered that question, you know, Uh and and their (laughs) happiness level in that. Like that would be that would be interesting to see, too. The, but um yeah the free and also their age their health like there's so many factors that go into this yeah and that you know you can't just you, you can't just get from like one single data point I think and mm-hmm. that, I think that's another thing people get hung up on yeah I mean it's you know sex feels like this big complicated topic so of course it's tempting to want to boil it down into something simple like you know people right. will just tell us all the time yeah. like just tell me the number of times I should be having sex and that way I can know that I'm okay and we're all right and we're normal but right. like I was saying before like if that's the only reason you're having sex like oh babe it's Tuesday we haven't hit our quota yet you know like it's gonna mm-hmm. feel miserable it's not gonna feel like enjoyable sex and it's gonna start to feel like this obligation and whenever we feel obligated to do something, we never have actual desire to do it. So I want to talk to you guys about your personal relationship and then your professional relationship and those lines being a little bit blurred. Um, Like, especially today, I was listening to your podcast. You literally had a soundbite from like an actual like (laughs) moment from having sexual intercourse. I kind of felt I was like, oh, my God, like, should I be listening to this? It felt porny kind of. But like, it wasn't. That's not how it came across at all. But I was anticipating it to be that way. So how did you guys get on board with being so open about your own sex lives? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say that little clip on the podcast, that that was the <laughs> that was the first time we've, we've ever done that. that and we were like, wow, this is this is really intimate. This is really yeah, and you intimate. were saying that Xander, but it was so and it was intimate, but it was like so relatable. You guys were laughing and you're trying something new and I'm like, wait a minute, that's actually how sex goes because I think we get so caught up in these pornographic moments right and there's even like there's this I guess she's a porn star her name's Kate something and she has a husband and there it's like real porn you know and Mm -hmm. it really is like it looks very relatable like real porn but it's like they're not really being silly or you know yeah 
Yeah, we were trying out ridiculous sex tips from the internet on that episode. But in terms of, you know, us becoming comfortable talking about our own relationship, that was a long journey. So on my end of it, my background is being trained as a psychotherapist. And anybody who's been in therapy knows, like, your therapist doesn't talk to you about their life back. Like, it's supposed yeah, to be... Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not their sex life. Yeah. That was the last time right. the therapist ever was like, oh, well, I was doing it the other day. And here's what happened. So right. for, yeah, for me, I, I felt like, you know, that's how I'm supposed to show up with people. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be professional. And especially in this area of sex therapy, where people have a lot of misconceptions about what it actually is. Like I wanted to be so professional, but as I was creating my career, I just started to feel like, I'm not sure if I'm actually serving people in the way that I want to, because I think we are all desperate to have these more open and honest conversations about what sex is really like. And so I started actually trying to get Xander involved. And at that point, it was just my business. And I and he had just started working behind the scenes, like doing the operations stuff so I could focus on the on the content aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I just had this feeling of like, you know what? I think I have to just screw everything I've been I've been taught and I think it's important for me to take that first step and be vulnerable with my community and start sharing my own stories and helping people realize like whatever it is that you're going through you're not alone it's normal we all have ups and downs in our sex life we all struggle with sex in one way or another so I started asking Xander like hey, can we do like an Instagram story together? Can we talk about this thing that we struggled with in the beginning of our relationship? And that was when we ran into your resistance. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, at that point in time, like, yeah, I had my own hangups around like, I don't think it's fine talking about Vanessa's career and talking, you know, in general about the types of problems that her clients face. Like I thought that was interesting from an intellectual Mm -hmm. perspective, but I was so scared of actually confronting my own issues with sexuality or our issues with our sex life. Like I didn't want to have to look myself in the mirror. And so it was like, well, I don't want to talk about this because I don't actually want to deal with my own hangups. And so, you know, it wasn't it wasn't until after I had started doing my own work on trying to kind of unwind some of my own hangups and what was going on between us that then it started being like, oh, OK, like we're starting to really figure things out. And yeah, I, I could, you know, share an anecdote here or there. <laughs> was and it Vanessa, scary? It was it was yeah. really scary. But Vanessa did a really good job of she was very good at she would get the really good positive feedback in the DMs whenever I said mm-hmm. something and she would like read them aloud to me and be like, oh, like this person, this person really loved what you had to say or, you know, oh, you're getting so many good compliments. So she really uh, positively hyped you up. Me. <laughs> and hype, uh, girl. I, I just really I think I, just, I started to understand because I was seeing it happen that like it's one thing when a professional or a therapist or whatever tells you oh yeah, you're not alone. All kinds of people deal with this. It's totally, it's a totally other thing. If they're like, you're not alone, lots of other people deal with, and so have I. And here's how it came up for me. It makes it so much more relatable. And I think that that's, that was the perspective that I was able to bring was like, yep, this is how it is for both of us. It's not like that for everyone, mm-hmm. but like, you know, this is what we've been through. And yeah, once we really started talking about things as a couple and sharing, here's what we've been through. Here's what we're, is currently coming up for us. We just got so much positive feedback and it gave us 
the courage to keep going, even when we felt embarrassed and got vulnerability hangovers. And to the point where now we wrote this book where there's some just incredibly intimate details of some of our most challenging struggles. And again, like just hearing that feedback from people saying, mm -hmm. gosh, it's so powerful to hear you talk about that. That keeps us yeah. going. And I mean, and, you know, the, the final bit of it is that the more that I showed up and started talking about what was going on for us, the better things felt between, mm -hmm. you know, for us, like the stronger yeah. our relationship felt, the better, you know, we started having better sex. Mm -hmm. Everything was more that. fun. Sex was more top of mind. It was just like, there were yeah. no negatives to it. It was just like positive <laughs> after positive. And so it was just this really like, you know, strong kind of like reinforcing feedback cycle of like, yeah, this is absolutely the right way to go. Everything is better in our lives. And like, we're helping so many other people at the same time. Except for the vulnerability hangover that you mentioned, because yes. that really, <laughs> that really stuck with me because I go through those a lot. Um, yeah. Not it's, always it's easy. Tough. Yeah, yeah. It's really tough. And, and so we try to take those and look at like, is there something to learn from that? Or is it just an experience of like mm. being vulnerable is really freaking hard. That's why so many of us resist it. And like, you're it's so okay evolved. To... That's why, that's why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> it's, it's okay to feel the vulnerability of being vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. So you guys try a lot of trends on your podcast as, as I heard about today. So could you <laughs> explain some um, that surprised you as being the best and the worst and what lived up to the hype? So yeah, so we did this episode on our podcast recently where we asked people, tell us about the wildest, wackiest sex tips you've seen on the internet, maybe some mm -hmm. old school women's magazines, TikTok, a lot of stuff. So we decided we're going to try them all out and see if any of them are actually any good. Yeah, these were this was like foreplay edition, right? Yeah. I think we, mm -hmm. we were actually about to start doing some testing, yeah, for, testing. The, <laughs> for the intercourse edition. Okay, great. So <laughs> the vast majority of the tips we were not big fans of there was using ice cubes during a blowjob you were not a fan of that one at oh, all so cold yeah <laughs> sounds There's cold a blowing a raspberry on the balls during a blowjob that was uh -huh. the one you probably liked the least yeah we have a great uh voice memo of that <laughs> happening it was it was something um there was a the fruit roll up over the penis i could not get it to adhere so it was just falling were you all laughing over the place. like oh we, yeah yeah i was okay. dying laughing just like the, there's a, just a fruit roll up all over your penis it's I, like a I hot dog or something yeah yeah it's like it, and like it, do i do i suck or chew I yeah <laughs> yeah i think yeah. the funniest one for me was we both tried humming while giving each other oral sex yeah because a lot of people mentioned like god i've heard yeah. so much about this humming thing and so for i didn't like it at all for me receiving it but for xander receiving it he he kind of liked it there was a little bit of sensation, but only if I made this very low pitched noise. And I'm like, this is so awkward. I'm like, literally, yeah. like, hey, can you make the noise for us? <laughs> like, this is not sexy. This very low single note. Like, it's not sexy. Yeah, no, it was too. definitely like trying multiple yeah. notes during the BJ. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a sexy note. And she played around with it. But yeah, and the reason why it was enjoyable is because basically at a lower at a lower pitch, the hum is creating some vibration which is nice. So it's, it's yeah. like, it's like wearing a vibrating <laughs> cock ring or something, yeah. which yeah, I know oh. from experience for me is pleasurable for like 30 seconds. And then it actually starts to not be <laughs> pleasurable for me. So I was like, yeah, this is nice in, in small doses. But then if you think about, okay, like, do I actually 
want to be listening to this low, low, low humming <laughs> while we're having oral. It's like, eh, yeah, no, it's Turn the music not... up or something. Yeah. <laughs> you pointed out, though, that like you heard us laughing a lot in the episode. Yeah, I did. And I that's like one of the messages that I really want people to internalize is that I think we all have this tendency to take sex so seriously and it creates this performance anxiety and all of the, us. A lot mm. of us have perfectionism around sex and mm-hmm. we get scared to try new things because we don't know how it's going to turn out and we're worried about seeming awkward or it not being very good yeah and we take just the complete opposite approach like I understand that and I feel that own self that self-consciousness myself sometimes too but sex is so much more fun when you can be playful about it like we had a blast trying all of these tips and they were all pretty bad like we didn't actually like <laughs> any of them but it's really? now created this really core memory for us yeah. of like all these fun you know the times that i gave him a raspberry on his balls <laughs> like you know just the laughter that we had Talk about like, it over thanksgiving with the parents yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like if we can go into sex with that exploratory mindset and taking the pressure off of everything to be perfect and say like let's just play and let's see what this is like you'll have so many more amazing memories with each other and you'll feel so much closer to your partner I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough 
to know their HIV status, to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project, and it stands for Interrupting Violence in Youth and Young Adults. To those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence, and the numbers rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away is like a, almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sue, can you talk about attachment styles and why this is important to know? Attachment style is a psychological model that's gotten a lot more popular in the last couple of years, and it basically talks about the ways that you felt attached with your parents growing mm. up and how those can be reflected in your relationships as adults. So I mean, I think it's a, yeah, in our current. So it's an interesting model. I do think these days it's getting like people are so wrapped up in it that um, we're kind of forgetting there are other aspects at play in relationships as well. But I do think there is something valuable at looking at like, yeah, did I feel secure in my relationship with my parents? Or did I feel really chaotic in that relationship? Did I feel loved? Did I feel safe? And seeing the ways that we get have, have those same dynamics reflected in our current relationships as adults. Mm. So it's just a way I think developing a lot of empathy and compassion for ourselves and saying, yeah, if I never really felt loved or secure with my parents, of course, that's going to be a dynamic that comes up in my adult relationships. Okay. Well then as far as it's related to sex drive or sex life or, or whatever, can you talk to me about that? Because in your book, you talk about two different, two different types of sex drives. So I'm really interested in this. What is that? What yeah. is that all about? Yeah, so this is a completely separate model. This idea okay. of there being two different sex drive types. This is some of the most game-changing information that people really, really need to understand because okay. most people don't realize there are two different sex drive types. I'm super glad you asked this question. Good. So the two types boil down to where we feel desire first. So there are two places that we can feel desire. In our heads, like mm -hmm. mentally, the idea mm -hmm. of sex sounds good. It might pop into your head randomly. It's just like, oh, yeah, I want to go have sex. Mm -hmm. And then we can also feel arousal in our bodies. So for women or people with vulvas, it's things like getting wet. For men, people with penises, getting hard. Like our bodies are excited and getting mm -hmm. ready. So these two types of sex drive boil down to where you feel that desire first. Spontaneous is the type that most of us think we're supposed to be. It's what we see portrayed in movies on mm -hmm. TV. So spontaneous is when you feel the desire in your head first. So that's what you always see, like Xander saying on TV, like both like two characters in the movie, they just look at each other and it's they're like, oh, it's on. They're running mm -hmm. off into the bedroom. It's like that spontaneous, you know, desire pops out of nowhere. 
But the second type of desire, which most people don't realize exists, is called responsive. And it's the exact opposite. Your body needs to be turned on and feeling good first before your head starts to think, ooh, sex sounds fun. I want to continue. I want to go further. So the classic way to know if you're a responsive type, and also most women are responsive types. Mm -hmm. Research has found that. So the classic way to know is if you've ever been in the middle of sex or even at the end of sex and you found yourself thinking, huh, that was really fun. Why don't I want that more often? Or like, Mm -hmm. we should do that more often. And you maybe even are like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I'm going to like, we're going to do, I'm going to initiate this tomorrow. That was so fun. And then like tomorrow rolls around and you just don't feel it anymore. You've forgotten yeah. about that. It kind of just slips your mind. Because you just, is it more of an in the moment type of feeling? Or what is it? It's because like when you're in the middle of sex, your body's having a chance to respond. So it's responsive desire because you need something to respond to. So if you were to ask a responsive person just going about their day-to-day life, hey, do you want to have sex right now? The answer is almost always going to be no, because they're not getting any body stimulation in that moment. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people who have responsive sex drive think of themselves as having low or no sex drive because they never think about sex. Interesting. Not the case. Yeah. If you're responsive, you need to focus on giving your body stimulation first and then see, does your mind get interested and excited and going further? Yeah. So the, you know, the answer to to solving, you know, differences in sex drive types. I was going to ask. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just about, oh, well, I just need to start touching my responsive partner, even if they don't want that. It's more of understanding that the question of do you want to have sex isn't the right question. Mm-hmm. It's it's do you want to engage in some other form of physical intimacy, something that's going to you know help us feel closer together and kind of start that that stimulation a bit, and then then you pivot into the question of do you want to continue? Do you want to go further? Do you want to do you want to have sex? Like what kind of physical intimacy, like going on a hike together like that (laughs) or like like hugging, kissing, cuddling, maybe giving a massage, something like that. So it's just this understanding that you need to appeal to their body first. Mm. Their brain is not going to think like, yeah, I'm excited by sex. Let's have it right now. It's like the body needs time first. So like Xander is saying, it's not about you forcing yourself to have sex if you're not in the mood. It's you understanding this is how my desire works like my body needs something to respond to first yeah so it's like can i give myself five or ten minutes and then check in and see how i'm feeling right okay well okay so vanessa you said that most women are the responsive type Mm -hmm. well is that like would that be a gender stereotype that we can that would would help us in our sex lives because normally we talk about gender stereotypes being negative yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a stereotype here. It's just it's the result of the research finding that more mm-hmm. men tend to be in the spontaneous camp and more women tend to be in the responsive camp. But it's just a way of normalizing. Like if you never think about sex or if the idea of sex never sounds good to you, that's normal. It just means you have the responsive sex drive type. Hmm. Okay. So kind of um, piggybacking on, on that a little bit. When it... Do you think gender stereotypes in general, not this, because it isn't one, it's a fact, it's data. Do you think that when it comes to those, it could ruin sex and relationships? There are a lot of incredibly harmful gender stereotypes about sex. Can you talk to those? 
Yeah, like what you know, one of the big ones is that there are a lot of stuff around men. You know, men always want sex more. Men want sex like wherever, whenever, whatever. So this is one of the most harmful ones that we see because we've done polling in our community. We ask people if you're in a male-female relationship, who's the partner that has the higher sex drive? And 45% of couples said the woman. But we never wow. talk about that, right? Wow. Like we just have this idea that it's always supposed to be the man. So there are almost half of male-female relationships dealing with this kind of emo- you know, mental struggle of like something must be so wrong with us. Why does he never want to have sex with me? Why does, you know, all my friends are complaining that they can't keep their husbands off of them or their boyfriends off of them. But like my partner doesn't seem to want it that much. So this can be one of the most harmful stereotypes. And then you say that sex is one of the main reasons that couples break up. So where do couples begin if they're not on the same page? Yeah, money, sex, and kids, the top three reasons why relationships break up. And when it comes to sex, really the issue is that we are just not talking about it. We are led to believe, again, from TV and movies, like Zena was saying earlier, like you never see characters talking about their sex life, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all have this belief that if I'm with the right person, if the chemistry is right, like it should just happen naturally Naturally. and effortlessly. We shouldn't, shouldn't have to talk about it at all. Like if we have to talk about it, that's a bad thing. So most people don't ever talk about sex or they only talk about it when there's an issue. There's a complaint or a problem or a frustration. But usually they wait because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's too okay, late. I'm not so yeah. happy. I'm not so happy with this, but I'm not really supposed to talk about it. So I'll just forget about it. I'll brush it under the rug. And then it builds and builds and builds. And then the resentment kicks in and eventually you reach a break a breaking point and you get in a fight everything spills over and all of a sudden you have like a laundry list of complaints and like right. boom that's that's how couples break up from sex it's not because it wasn't a solvable problem it was that it you know you only talked about it once it became so much of a problem that it felt like you couldn't bridge the gap between you two so that was another reason why we wanted to write sex talks like we would see so many couples breaking up over very common dynamics hmm. in their sex lives that are things that you can work through that don't have to be relationship ending but because we don't have this experience talking about sex we don't know how to do it instead we're just having these huge fights and and ending relationships So the first step for people is really like as soon as in your relationship as you can to start talking about sex, make it a normal topic of conversation. Like on the first date, like what, how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, you can start talking about it early on in dating. And so obviously you're going to change the topics of your questions and Mm -hmm. conversation, like based on where you are in a relationship. So, you know, you might not want to come in like super hard on the first date and like <laughs> tell me about your most Literally. deepest secret fantasy you know but once you maybe when you start having sex with somebody it's like you you're talking about it the next day hey that was really fun i really liked when you did xyz so really like the most important thing when talking about sex is to also create this positive foundation of conversation where you can talk about it in a lighthearted way in a flirty way in a positive way mm-hmm. instead of just criticism complaints negative feedback I think also too, like it doesn't necessarily have to be just um, sex ruining relationships due to like not having it, but to um, getting into 
uh, I've been married and getting into a pattern of just like what works instead Mm -hmm. of exploring outside of that. That's what I find personally in my relationships. I'm always in, well, you know, we know how to get it done. We know what we both like, (laughs) like, and then, and we have a, you know, a finite amount of time. Like I'm kind of tired. I want to get to bed or there's a show on or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, how do you guys keep it spicy in the bedroom like that? Yeah, it's well doing it's, doing podcast yeah, episodes. Podcast like- helps. If you don't have a podcast, what would you be doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first I just want to normalize like that's what happens for pretty much everyone in a long-term relationship. So you're like, saying I'm find not alone. the thing that works. Yeah, we find the routine and we just keep doing the routine. It's kind of like a the devil we know is better than the devil we don't kind of mm-hmm, thing. Like mm-hmm. we know this is it's fine, it's good it's enough. Right. But if that's if you're just repeating the exact same thing over and over again, if you're at the point where you can like script out like we kiss for 30 seconds, he rubs my boob for 10 seconds, you know, like I'm dying it. because it's yeah. so it's so accurate. Yeah, it's like you know, you know every single step, yes. how long it lasts, what positions uh-huh. you're gonna get into. You know, we, we've all been there, don't worry. Mm-hmm. But you know, that makes sex something that's it's so predictable and routine. Like, mm-hmm. why are you gonna get excited about it? So I we talk in the book, I call it the white toast problem. It's like if you are having white, plain white toast for breakfast every single morning, like you're not going to be excited about breakfast. You're not going to wake up thinking like, oh, I can't wait to have that plain white toast. So (laughs) conversation five in sex talks is called exploration. What do we want to try next? And it really guides you through exactly how to try new things in the bedroom. So here, this is another example of like, we've heard the advice, we've all heard the advice to keep it spicy, right? But a lot of us get very self-conscious about the actual execution of that. Like we get so worked up about like, well, I don't know what to try and I feel embarrassed and now I feel like I'm not creative and I'm judging myself for being so uncreative. Yeah, or like, what if what if it feels weird? What if it's awkward? What if um, I don't actually enjoy it, but I'm the one that suggested it? So like, he's going to think that because I suggested it, like, I'm going to like it and then I don't. Or even worse, like, oh, well, if I suggest this, then my partner is going to think that I'm implying that the other things that we do, I must actually not like. Yeah. So we get so many hangups and not you know so we're so scared to ask for something yeah so that's why we walk through so many you know all of those um issues that can come up in that chapter but one of the best pieces of advice we have is like just start small with it so many of us hear the idea like try something new in the bedroom and we jump to oh i gotta have three sons and we have to like go to sex parties and all this stuff and if you want to do that great go for it but that's not the only way to spice things up like you can do like just bring back those things that you used to do in the early stages of your relationship that have slowly been whittled out of the routine. So maybe you guys used to spend a lot longer making out. Maybe you used to have sex mm-hmm. on the sofa instead of in the bed. Maybe there's this position that you're like, oh my God, I used to love that position, but we haven't done it in years. Like just start with those things that you've already done and bring them back into mm-hmm. your day-to-day routine. So that's going to help advice. you realize like, oh yeah, we can like mix things up and it's fun. It doesn't have to be scary or overwhelming. Okay. So the book, Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your life. What are the five conversations? Five conversations are acknowledgement, aka sex is a thing and we have it. So this is 
really easing your way in and literally just getting comfortable with sex as a topic of conversation. So I'll give the listeners like one super practical thing that they can do right after listening to this podcast is like take a moment to think about one of your favorite sexual experiences with your partner and then share that with them today. Mm, okay. So you can do it face to face. You can say like, I was listening to this podcast. They suggested this little exercise. I'm going to try it. Or, or I was just, yeah, I was just daydreaming and this memory came up and I felt, you know, excited and connected to you and uh -huh. I figured I'd share. Yeah. You okay. can send it by text message if you're feeling nervous. That's okay. totally fine too. But all you're going to do is just share the memory. So you're not making any requests. You're not initiating sex. You're definitely not giving any complaints or criticism. It's literally just, Hey, you know what popped into my head, that trip that we took and that hotel that we were staying in and that time that we da, 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 to just share the memory or like creating this positive foundation. for talking Okay. Acknowledgement. Okay. So that's conversation one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> conversation two is connection. What do we need to feel close to each other? So that one's all about emotional intimacy. Conversation three is desire. What do we each need to feel turned on to get excited about being intimate with each other? This is something so many couples in long-term relationships complain about, like, what happened to the desire? Yeah, and that's and that's where that whole uh, conversation about the sex drive types fits mm -hmm. in as right. well. Conversation four. So spontaneous or responsive. Exactly. Yep. Um, conversation four is pleasure. What do we each need to feel good? And there's some very fun stuff in that chapter. <laughs> A lot of great <laughs> exercises you could try with your partner. And then conversation five, which I just mentioned, is exploration. What should we try next? Keep it spicy and fun and interesting. Yes, but in ways that feel fun and not overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Vanessa and Xander Marin with Pillow Talks podcast and the New York Times bestselling book, Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your life. Thank you guys for coming on. This has been so informative and I took notes and I will be doing the things <laughs> and reporting back. Please Great. do. Yeah, we, we love a good student reporting back. <laughs> I know you do. Thanks for having us. I, so this has been really fun. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European Political Systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. 
Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the Black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough to know their HIV status, to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project, and it stands for Interrupting Violence in Youth and Young Adults. To those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence, and the number is rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away, it's like almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I literally took notes, as I often do, and I am going to do my favorite sexual experience with my partner. I'm going to share that sexual experience with my partner. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm gonna keep I'm gonna let you guys know how it goes next week on this podcast. I'm gonna tell you what I said, what I shared. I mean, I think I might have to make I might have to like edit it a little bit just to make sure that it's it's not too intimate. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see who I decide to send it to. Um, I don't know. I mean, there is a man in my life, but we'll see if it if it's him or maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. I, I guess that would be kind of bad if it was somebody else, right? Maybe so I'll probably just send it to him. <laughs> God, you know, I'm going to get their book, by the way, Sex Talks, Five Conversations That Will Transform Your Life. Like I do listen to their podcast, so I'm excited to um, follow up with that book. But they have some great tools on their podcast, too. I had some thoughts over the last week. So my friend sent me a picture of um, he and his, his boyfriend were laying in a, a bedroom or laying in a bed. They were in a hotel room, laying in a bed. That's all it was, which is like, hey, I'm watching TV kind of thing, whatever. I noticed that there was two beds in that hotel room and they're, a, they're one couple. And so I said to him, one is for sleeping and one is for sex. And he said, seriously. And I said, yeah, it's a thing. 
So we need to talk about this. This is brilliant. Okay. And one bed for sleeping and one bed for sex, like screw the one, the dirty bed up, throw, like throw the shit on it, get it, you know, any fluids, any craziness, any sweat. That's the sex bed. The sleeping bed is the nice bed. It's the bed with the crisp sheets and you could like be I don't know, more romantic, I think, in, in, in that bed, just like cuddle and like watch a movie or whatever and like move to the other bed for sex. I think it's brilliant. I think it takes a little bit of planning and also like there's something very romantic about having two queen beds or double beds instead of one king bed with your partner. I mean, if you've been married for a million years, you probably want two individual beds anyways. But otherwise, I think it's cute. Like one bed for sex, one bed for, for, um, sleeping. Okay. I have a big ask of everyone. So I know last week I talked about how, you know, this guy I'm, I'm seeing, we've been seeing each other on and off for three years, how like, because I'm a psycho, I'll like log into Raya, the dating app. And I know he's on it. And I'll see like, if he's like logged in in a different city because I'm a psycho and a stalker and that's the only dibs I can keep on him. Yeah. I'm admitting to that. Okay. Well, also I recognize the irony there because if I'm checking on him, that means I'm also logging into Raya. So I recently saw that he was logging and he had logged in and my reaction was, uh, F you, F you. Right. But then I'm thinking, wait, I'm logged in. And then I started thinking more. First of all, I don't even know what he was doing on it. Right. Like I doubt he was even active, but like, that's kind of a moot point here. Actually, it's not. It is important. But like, I'm I'm on Raya right now for just for friends. And they're really, and I have connected with people professionally on that app that have been very helpful in my professional life. So what about dating apps? When do you get off the dating app? Do you talk to your, your boyfriend or your person who you're dating about what they think about getting off dating apps? What if they say they don't want to be off the dating apps? How do, how do we respond to that? And what if you just keep them on and you don't log into them, but then why keep them? What about keeping them for business purposes? Like I have it, but the lines are very blurred because it's, it's historically a dating app but now I'm using it for business purposes. So do other people think I'm using it for business purposes if I'm connecting with them? I think this is a really big question that I would really like to, I I like to keep this conversation going because now in this new age of dating, everybody's on an app. So how does this work? I don't know. So let's talk about it next week. I'm going to give you the update on the sexual experience (laughs) with my partner that I'm going to share and let you know how that goes. So hold me accountable, everybody. Because if I know, you know. Okay? See you next week on Intimate Knowledge. Bye-bye. Subscribe to Intimate Knowledge on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit You don't put those inside of you. Do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. 
looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat okay. the eat all the leftover the leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the oh, barrel up so to fun. up the hill. And then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corin Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Professional dancer Cheryl Burke has been part of Dancing with the Stars since the very beginning. 26 seasons of The Samba, The Rumba, and The Cha-Cha. 24 partners, six finals, and two Mirabal trophies. She knows all the secrets, the behind-the-scenes arguments, and the affairs, the flings, the flirting, and the fighting. Listen to Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.